Hello and welcome to the finale of season three of Sequelizers. This, as always, is the show all about fixing the bad sequels that followed good movies. If there was a good movie that was followed by a terrible sequel, we're going to do our very best to try and fix it. As always, I am your host, Jack Chambers, and joining me are the two teams of titular Sequelizers. First up, we have the team of Mr. Alec Plowman. Sequels. Why did it have to be sequels? <laughs> <laughs> and his teammate, Mr. Stuart Ashen. It had to be sequels because we called the podcast after it. That, that is correct. <laughs> Informative. <laughs> Join us next week for... <laughs> and the Dr. Spalco to their Mutt Williams. <laughs> Ooh. I feel that's a bit of an insult, but they're ridiculous names. Tim Matum. Throw me the whip, I'll throw you the sequel. <laughs> and Matthew Stogden. Part time. <laughs> wow. so how often do you sequelize, Matt? Part time. <laughs> Part time. <laughs> Part time. Oh god! Who and thought those were going to be our first Harrison Ford impressions in this episode? <laughs> <laughs> Just shouting the words "Part time." There's a better take in the trailer. <laughs> Why does that happen? I've never understood that. The, the film we're hinting at, by the way, folks, as you probably have already guessed, the Muppets movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a Kermit impression. A part time. Like... <laughs> oh. I would watch the hell out of a Muppets version of this trilogy. <laughs> oh, by the way, yeah, like Muppet Treasure Island. Why the are there so many songs about temples? <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about a sequel that was 19 years in the making. It was 2008's Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, a.k.a. Indiana Jones 4. It's the 10th anniversary of this film. Uh, that's not something to celebrate. Yeah, but CGI gopher technology has moved on. So uh... <laughs> oh, That opening shot is just... A bloody gopher. We, we kept it in, but Andy Serkis does it, so it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> and he just goes, no, no. He also provides the mocap for John Hurt. <laughs> because he's dead? <laughs> oh, no. Else happens when he's still alive. Oh, okay. Weirdly, John Hurt does the mocap for Harrison Ford. It's yeah. a very confusing system. While he's Mo- dead. <laughs> oh, dear. So I know a lot of people are like, why are you fixing Temple of Doom? Because it's fine. Shut up. I mean, it's it, Tem- Temple of Doom. Okay, Temple of Doom is fine. But then I think Spielberg's gone on the record and said the way that The Last Crusade went was very much almost an apology for Temple of Doom um, being the way it was. And, it's like, and it is a perfectly serviceable film. It's perfectly fine. It does its job. It's just not as good as... Uh, Raiders and Last Crusade. I really like Temple of Doom. It might I be, do as well. Yeah. might be my favourite, which oh, is... Oh, fuck you freak. Alec, with the controversial opinions. As all, as usual, like you're often coming with these weird... I, re- I really like Temple of Doom. I think it's great. I'm more with Matt on this, but there is a, still a lot of good stuff in Temple of Doom. Great yeah. imagery. Short um, round for Mola Ram, short round. Ha- hatred of yep. Hindus. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. All the good stuff. Yeah. Yep. Everything you look for in a good sequel. And, and it's one of those films that carries you along. You're still having fun watching it. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a lot of affection for, for Temple of Doom. And I think, yeah, it's, it's like we say, perfectly serviceable and, mm. uh, and a fine instalment. But I do remember when 
Crystal Skull came out, yeah. and there was, for Sorry, example, are you going to flinch every time? There <laughs> 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 was Crystal Skull. <laughs> <laughs> when when people were talking about the nuclear fridge, oh. people would be like, "Oh, but in uh, in Temple of Doom, he, he falls out of the plane in the uh, in the inflatable raft and survives and slides down a mountain." Indiana Jones has always been like that. It's like mm, it's never been nuke a fridge Which, and you'll yeah. be fine. <laughs> I think Temple of Doom is where it skirts closest to that level of ridiculous before the massive ramp up it gets to in uh, crystal skull i would also say temple of doom is immediately immediately disqualified from being sequelized because it's a fucking prequel correct correct oh that's very true isn't it? i always forget that yeah. but yeah because it's a pointless little thing to include <laughs> yeah. Lucas there, to there is no reason year. for that movie literally to be one a year. Yeah. yeah it makes no difference to anything really nope. could just be yeah listeners if you <laughs> let me talk to you once both of you listen up my friends if you know why indiana jones and the temple of doom was a prequel please write in on a postcard Hello, to my name is george and i just felt it would be a good idea farm. <laughs> it's george lucas kermit as well <laughs> yes yeah, really oh seriously. my god did george lucas do the adr for that part timeline oh. oh hello part time to be fair the way he made them reanimate that goddamn yoda face right with that whole begun this clone war has over and over and over it probably did say he's not getting it right he's supposed to say (laughs) part-time well you fucking do it then george part-time what if (laughs) what if he said this clone war has begun that sounds better yep i like it it i like it makes sense for the character (laughs) We've, we've already gone on such a tangent louder faster more intense (laughs) <laughs> I'm about to go into Darth Punk for a second <laughs> Oh dear So yeah released in 2008 19 years after The Last Crusade mm. And it's an interesting one because it, ha- it had that kind of hype in the, Almost like a Force Awakens style Hype like oh my god there's a new Indiana Jones movie it's gonna be amazing It had built up That kind of fan base already And it actually received kind of mixed reviews at the time, and it's gotten worse since. Yeah. It did want to win a Razzie, and it's the only Steven Spielberg film to win a Razzie and also not be nominated for any Oscars. But yeah, it was kind of okay, according to critics. When like I think our old pal Ebert gave it like three and a half out of four, and I was like, what the fucking hell are you thinking, Roger? I remember writing a review for it at the time and saying it's nowhere near the prestige of the originals. But then it never could be. And we were all sort of fatigued from Star Wars prequels. I know it's like, you know, several years after those things. Well, it's only three years after. You, you don't you don't forget once you've seen those. Exactly. Things, so yeah. we end up thinking, oh, this could have been a lot worse. We could have been in a really dark point here. This was perfectly fine, I guess. It was okay. And that was a sort of enough to tide it over. And then, as you say, the, the longer you sort of analyse and think, no, this is terrible. All the things that sort of make an Indiana Jones film, you've sort of almost forgotten they exist. Case in point, every time something grisly or gruesome happens, you tend to cut away. And the reason we have like the... the which P- is the opposite of Temple of Doom, which exactly, is gore fest. Bred the PG-13, you know, um, rating in the first place, that kind of thing. Because ultimately, you know, Indy's about that sort of 1930s schlocky, or oh, if you go down into the, the deep, dark recesses of the world, you'll find all kinds of untapped, un unapproached uh, civilizations and all kinds of horrible things will happen to you, that kind of mindset. And then eventually the third film was, oh yeah, Nazis. They're the horrible ones. They're everywhere. And they still are, <laughs> for fuck's sake. Yeah, I, I remember watching both 
uh, Raiders and Last Crusade as a kid, you know, on, on home video or, or on the TV or whatever, and being told by my parents, oh, you can't look at the, the final bit where, you know, they either look in the the Ark of the Covenant or, uh, you know, drink from the cup and get you get that, you know, horrific, rapid aging slash melting of the skin. And there's nothing close to that in this. Flaming eyeballs, a Flaming. shitty CGI. Yeah. Something. Terrible CGI fire ants dragging people underground, but... Bloody ants. Ray Winston being sucked into some wind. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think he went back in time and then just ended up in uh, scum. <laughs> The thing is that the Jones films have always the, had the mindset of man wasn't meant to meddle with certain things. History should be respected. And ultimately, Indiana Jones doesn't need to be there because he doesn't actually help the story along much at all, ever. He just happens to be there and things happen with or without him anyway. Crystal Skull has less of that. There's still kind of the element of it. The problem is ultimately setting it in the 1950s because in the 30s, it was emulating a lot of... um pulp stories and stuff and and that kind of adventure mindset and then the 50s like oh what we have to emulate what's happening and even set in the 40s you know it's now it's the war period and we're trying to emulate that and really sort of capture that mindset and that sort of war serial kind of thing and then it's the 50s it's b movies in science fiction and stuff and then you enter the soviet soviet psychic stuff as an interesting twist on it all and then this was the classic response of the time, especially from critics and public, was, is, are aliens or interdimensional beings really that... I have to make that fucking clarification. Are they really any more ridiculous than the Ark of the Covenant? And everyone said, in a resounding voice, yes. Yes, yes of course they fucking are. You <laughs> absolute tool. Because yeah. it's just such a shift from where the series has been previously. It's yeah. been so rooted in myth slash kind of theological stuff yeah, that theological supernatural stuff yeah and this goes hard not hard sci-fi but crazy sci-fi yeah. yeah i actually don't have a problem with the 50s thing and with the aliens thing but the interdimensional issue... beings please uh, no we're calling them aliens i see an alien i say alien and that's why i just got a job with the government on the border <laughs> the issue that i have with it is that they in the way it is written it is willfully obscure about what's going on in a way that the Ark of the Covenant isn't, even though they open it and great terror happens. But we as the audience have enough cultural context to understand what these things are, to understand why the things that are happening are happening. The problem is you don't have that same thing for aliens. And at the end, I just find that as a film, it is willfully obscure. And like it goes, something's going on. You don't know what it is. Indy doesn't know what it is. Then they go home. He's married now. That's the. Um, I think that that's one of the the biggest issues with this for me. Is it fundamentally, it is a bad script, and that might sound like an obvious thing to say on this program because it always is. But Indiana Jones Crystal Skull just plums the depths of that by willfully ignoring things about the character by not staying true to the spirit of the original films by there are so many things in there so many decisions from a narrative perspective that just don't make sense that that there is a there is an illogic to the actual continuity of it in a way that the other indiana jones films are actually fairly tight in that respect and this is what makes it frustrating i think there's that tight snappy serial filmmaking 
And this feels really kind of bloated and heavy by comparison. Extremely drawn out. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't mind the sci-fi thing because first film, very much reminiscent of the older radio serials. Second film, chronologically, not the second film, but I'm calling it the second film. Fight me, Spielberg. Please, you're old. I could probably beat you. I could bet you money beforehand to become rich. Look, there's no bad outcome to this. He's hard, mate. (laughs) Fucking have you. He'll hit me with his director's chair, and I'll just regret everything. <laughs> Turning into like pro wrestling, and just <laughs> yeah. he'll get his mate. Hit him with the chair, there. my oh, God! Lucas, he'll have some massive thing come out of his goiter and strangle me. Oh. <laughs> um, Lucas, Stephen. running interference. <laughs> Stephen, fetch me my hammer. <laughs> you like old boy? <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, like the first film, very rooted in the radio serials. The second film, sort of the lurid uh, pulp comics of the thirties, forties. You're talking about the grand adventure films, uh, Lawrence Raymond. That so it makes sense then that the next sort of thing along was the pulpy sci-fi stuff. I think the problem with that though is that if it was going to do that, it should have gone all in on yes. it. Oh, and it, and it tries to have its cake and eat it. It tries to remain an Indiana Jones, like what we think of as an Indiana Jones film but also dabble in this new area without... That's it. We're going to do new stuff, guys, but also we're going to make it like the old ones as well. And now we've got in two directions at once and we've got magnetic aliens. And it's yeah. it's trying to do the sci-fi, but tying it into something ancient, because that's what we expect from an Indiana Jones film. And it's a bit like you were you were talking about, about ex, like audience expectations when it comes to it. The the kind of the iconic fears when it comes to aliens and uh, and sci-fi in, in that kind of regard, and especially from that era, aren't the stuff that it taps into. You know, like Raiders of the Lost Star, you know, it's, it's like, it's all about like classic fear of the wrath of God and, and stuff like God, Old right, Testament yeah. stuff. And like the threat of the, of the Crystal Skulls is like, it's mostly about the communist brain transmissions and then it's weird knowledge like and then it goes back to knowledge that man was not meant to have and it's if you're going to do aliens it should be about like people being replaced or abduction because anything really to do with the 50s sci-fi it was all the red scare wasn't it you know how many of those sci-fi films were actually just thinly veiled critiques of communism all of them again they sort of touch on it and then they shy away from it and it's it, it can't make its mind up what it wants to be. Needs to be a paranoid thriller or something about people being weirdly replaced because that was like 90% of those things, you know, or both, some of them. I believe on the DVD and or Blu-ray for Crystal Skull, there was a classic documentary behind the scenes thing about, oh, why did it take you so long and why this story, etc., etc. And in apparently 1996 or something like that, when Independence Day came out, uh, there was an idea to do aliens films and or an alien in danger something and Spielberg said nope they've done it that's the biggest alien film we're going to have ever that's the biggest thing we can't top that never going to do it and it kept burrowing away at, at, at Lucas and he came back and said well oh, I've got this idea and um, why was he John Travolta? he takes many forms takes many forms in his shifting <laughs> effectively speaking um, Spielberg said okay great what's it about? I said oh but it's interdimensional beings and such. I said, what are the... Okay, but what do they look like, George? Well, they look like aliens. I said, right, fine. Well, we can't really do that. I've done aliens. I've done it and it's always oh, it has to end up with a big fucking flying saucer. It has to be a flying saucer flying away. Um, that that disappoints me because, again, 50 stuff, you're going to have a flying saucer in, but it's so shoehorned in. Oh, actually, it turns out that the pyramid was a flying saucer. Make it one of the bloody other! 
Yeah, it's 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 a mash of as we've said. It's the problem of trying to shoot on saying doesn't understand how to put it in, and also at the same time, we mentioned this earlier. Going back and watching like Indiana Jones or Raiders of the Lost Ark, sorry, and it flies by in the first half an hour. There's so much that goes in, and you think this is actually racing ahead. You almost forget how quickly it's done, like you're watching an edit or something like that, and it's just just so much being put through. Whereas if you rewatch Crystal Skull, there's that a stupid go for nonsense. Then there's the, hey, we're cool 50s teens having a, you know, drag race kind of thing with those soldiers and one Russian soldier is like totally into it for some fucking reason until he's not. And they go on the army base and, you know, they get Indy out of the back of the car and he has some stupid lines, et cetera, et cetera. And then it's the, you know, Area 51 kind of. um... That's another weird thing about this film is that it really wants you to know that you're in the 50s. And I, Raiders of the Lost Ark is like, it's incidental. There's the 30s, you're in the 30s. I mean, until the Nazis show up, obviously. But it, it doesn't hammer home that it's a period film in the same way that Crystal Skull does. Crystal Skull is very aware that it is, it is Indiana Jones in the 50s. Indiana Jones is old. Isn't that in, isn't that funny? Let's make a big yeah. deal out of this. It's the difference between going from something that is just set in inverted commas the past and something like say Stranger Things, where it just keeps saying the eighties, yeah. screaming it over and over and over, and you're like, oh god, that is all, all fucking Happy Days. Yeah. It's like, hey guys, remember the, how this how to work? And we we used to have to put money in jukeboxes. Here's the weird thing: is that Indiana Jones feels like Happy Days. The way that that's laid out there, it could be... It feels like they watched Happy Days and went, that's what the 50s was, right? That's how it worked. What if we What if we set Indy in Happy Days? That's, if that's you, what If you told me is. that Ron Howard directed Crystal Skull, I'd be saying, yeah, that makes sense. It's the thing of, like, the, the whole... I mean, we touched on the ridiculousness of the nuclear fridge already, but, like... There's there's no reason for there to be a nuclear explosion in this film for like for all that stuff to happen. It's just because oh the fifties nuclear panic. It's such a unnecessary. It, it does nothing for the plot. It's literally just the imagery and the reference. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. Like Alex says, it it's trying so hard to root itself in the fifties and like oh look here's rebellious teens because that's what we think of in the field. oh and that's a greaser those greasers yeah yeah it's it's like a whiteboard literally just full of fifties concepts and cramming them all in Mm. desperately for some reason and again as you said i don't think there's anything about the 30s that's quintessentially i mean yes you could argue that you know the period the clothes the technology all that stuff that's fine but none of that and again the nazis even things like but none of it's really to say this is set in the year 1935 have you got that yet because it's like because nobody cares it's irrelevant arguably you just need to know it's in the past planes were slower (laughs) <laughs> it also misses one of the most important things in Indiana Jones film for me like the James Bond opening you were supposed to get a little bit of his last adventure oh uh, where's yeah. that no, no cold open yeah we exactly. get gophers yeah. CGI that is his last gophers. adventure underground <laughs> <laughs> that's a glove puppet he's, <laughs> he's trying out his new kids TV show because kids TV shows are a thing starting off in the 50s guys 50s 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 it doesn't start with because obviously he barrels out of the back of that must, I must admit I will give this much when he gets hoofed out of the back of that uh, truck of that uh, the trunk of the car sorry boot if you're in Britain of the car with Ray Winston in that uh, that must have been an amazing car ride for those two in that hot 
Ooh, New Mexico oh, desert. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, the hat rolls away, he gets a bit of a punch in the face, wherever it's supposed to be, and you get the silhouette. That's quite a nice little intro, and then it goes to toilet. But Does I think that happen before the gopher? Uh, no, that's after. Oh, good, it is but, after. Thank God for that. Yeah, it still literally literally goes from Mound of Dirt to Gopher. So, yeah. so, yes, yeah. that's right. And then it becomes, once they're on the base, Indy's introduced. But I think they're like, oh, we picked these guys up on a, on a dig in Mexico or something like that. And that's the sort of like, see, we did it. It's like, no, I don't think you did. I think you've completely lost what you were supposed to be doing. Now that, that, that's nothing. The two things I want, a cold opening of a last adventure and Indy not actually having any particular agency on the plot. Yeah. Those are the two things I want from Indiana Jones. And a talking hat, but they never do that. So, you know. <laughs> Slytherin! <laughs> One day. Oh my One God, I'm, I'm now picturing like an Indiana Jones, but it's Mario Odyssey, where like the hat has <laughs> eyes and he can hell. throw it onto people. <laughs> One of the big issues with this film, and an issue that both Spielberg and Lucas have making films, is that they go through this weird thing during this time period. Starts in the 90s with the Star Wars Special Edition and then goes through with the E.T. Special Edition, where they get very concerned because they are grandparents, parents, about making films that are suitable for children. And especially in the 90s where there are so many concerns about what is suitable for children. And this movie ends up being a very sanitized Indiana Jones movie as a result, which ironically, I think, massively decreases its appeal to children. Despite the fact that it's got the highest rating, in ter- and I don't mean in terms of like successful, I mean in like uh, BBFC classification. It goes from a PG, 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 12A. I don't know, I don't know what it is in the... In is it the in case the US, kids try and avoid nuclear explosions by climbing into fridges? Probably. It's dangerous. It, it's an interest. I mean, that's a conversation for another day with the, the change in ratings, because I think things do get rated higher now anyway because people won't go and see a movie if it's not a PG-13. So I think that sometimes, like, there are plenty of movies that I've seen recently where I'm like, why was that a PG-13? It's like, oh, because everything is, because everybody it's shoots for that. Yeah. You Unless want... you're Pixar or... Yeah, something or, or going for a hard R yeah. slash well, eighteen. Yes, of course, yeah, on the other end, of and things, a lot yeah. of eighteen stuff will be edited down to fifteen these Correct, days, yeah. won't it? Or pitched at fifteen. Yeah. But the interesting, the interesting thing with this is that um, this is a really, it's an Indiana Jones movie that's really lost its bite and has lost a lot of the sense of peril because of that. Yeah. Were you saying Jack Indy doesn't fire a gun in this movie? He doesn't shoot a pistol for the entire film. Yeah. And it's it's a good, like, 35, 40 minutes before he throws a punch? Something like that? It's like the 90s Spider-Man cartoon where he's not allowed to do anything violent, so he just swing kicks everything because he can't throw punches, it's too violent. The big problem is that it stops Indy from being a man of action, which then kind of defeats the point of Indiana Jones being a Gryffindor. He's he's too bloody old as well, which doesn't help. Well, the whole him being old thing is was an idea of Harrison Ford to... Age. (laughs) (laughs) To be a grumpy old fuck, yeah, exactly. But, like, the fact that he's an old man and they make jokes about it was Harrison's idea to kind of... I think he said to, like... But the audience have aged with me, and I don't want them to feel bad about being old, so I want to make it funny. What? What a terrible <laughs> idea. Surely they'd feel better if you just kicked ass like yeah. you still probably like, can. Oh, yeah, cool. I could still kick some ass. It's like, no, I'm just a fat old man. <laughs> Even though he's actually in quite good shape. Yeah. Mean, for, for the odd gag, I think it would have been fine, but it hammers it home so much. It's so meta. And I'm going to bring back Zombie Homer, because that one guy liked it. But it's... 
indie being very aware that he's indie is a problem in this movie. Characters being aware that he is the character Indiana Jones. I think that that is a big issue that this film suffers from and it takes out some of the believability of it. It really takes you out. There are several points where it's like, oh, wow, Indiana Jones is saying things about how he's Indiana Jones. I don't really, I don't like that. Yeah, and I think the other problem with with aging Indy and making that such a part of it and going, oh, he's not really capable anymore, but uh, and similarly targeting it at the kids is that you have good old Mutt Williams, Shia LaBeouf, who is such a poochy of a character of like, hey, look, we made him for the kids. Isn't he cool? Look, he's swinging with the monkeys. Yeah, I'm gonna throw it out there. I do not think that Mutt Williams is executed well at all in Indiana Jones, Crystal Skull, but I feel like he is the character that the film needed to make it work, and that if they had gotten that right, it could have been a better AKA movie. not cast Shia LaBeouf, because he's rubbish. Because I think the problem, I think Indiana Jones in more of a mental role makes sense if you're doing Batman Beyond indie. that shit. He's a fucking professor. He literally should yes. be mentoring yeah. people. Yeah. He's literally a mentor and yeah. a teacher. Like, yeah. He should be becoming Xavier. But putting him in there does not... And it, it, it's, yeah, it's the thing of the character that they craft for him is such a transparent attempt at being like, this is what cool kids are, or at least what they were like in the 50s. Like, if, if they'd have bothered to actually make a decent character that was meant to carry on the legacy and and you have this idea of passing the torch, it would be so much more effective. But it, it feels like such a half... It feels like a first draft character of like, yeah, we'll give him a son and he'll be this cool kid and he'll drive a hot rod or a motorbike and, you know, he'll be, he'll be, like, he'll be like Marlon Brando in The Wild One. I'm going to make a bit of a controversial statement. I don't like Mutt Williams as a character. I, to a degree, I agree with Alec on the in the sense that written better, he could be the future of the franchise. I agree with that sort of thing. The controversial element is I think Shia LaBeouf did a good job with what he had. You are wrong. No, let me hear me out. Hear me out. I I also agree with you on this. So. Thank you. So the reason is because it's a terrible fucking character. It's stupid as hell, and as Tim said, it's the whole, this is what a kid's like, right? He has a, he has a knife, and he's a hothead, and he's like, oh, I'm going to use my comb in your drink to comb my hair. What a twat. I mean, to be fair, if I look at, like, it's, it's an old man writing a kid. It's the same way, like, Harrison was like, sold out, I didn't mean you sold your mom, whatever. You know, I've known a lot of moms. I banged your mom. <laughs> I am your mom. <laughs> I'm an interdimensional being. Anyway, the point is that um, LaBeouf in like um, the Transformers films trundling along. Then he turns up in this and he's genuinely trying. This is after the first Transformers? One of his... Ooh, 2008. I think it's I'm after second. the first... So whenever LaBeouf's character is talking to or about... John Hurt's character of Ox, whoever the fuck his name is. Oxley. Oxley McOxley. Ollie Ollie Oxenfree. That's the one. Um, he's, he's genuinely acting and emoting very well. The problem is, his character is dumb and doesn't say, it's just a snake! Get, grab the snake! It's, it's really stupid. And they are trying to say, like, and the fucking sword fight. There's just so many stupid elements and they don't do anything with him. I would say, however, though, he does a good enough job because I think if you'd written that exact same role... And give it to River Phoenix, who arguably does the best. I'm being a young version young of Indiana Jones. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. he still would come out going, "This is a well performed thing, but it is dog shit." 
because of what it is. Because again, I don't think there's much difference in terms of what the character does in a in a, in a weird way. But um, but ultimately, because we have to hate LaBeouf, because of course we do, because he's you know ridiculous, and how the end cock teases us all with the whole oh the hat's rolling towards shire what does it mean you ain't oh, having oh. it yet kid yeah oh, oh. i'm gonna take that back off you for a second uh i can't wait to see him in indiana jones 5 i'm sure that will yeah oh yeah because williams isn't in it that's been confirmed i believe yeah because of course mm. <laughs> nice. so, something tim said has just uh, sparked a memory there's an internet review man who does comics called linkara and he has a character oh, yeah. called 90s kid <laughs> and it's just a comically one-dimensional character yes. with the backwards cap and the glasses and just everything. 90s stereotypes. Mark Williams is 50s kid. Yes, he completely yeah. is. Mm. Completely. Painfully. I do wonder why, given that Disney now own Lucasfilm and Marvel and have done multiple, multiple Star Wars comics since that happened, we haven't had an Indiana Jones comic because... Does somebody, does somebody else have the rights somewhere and it's like got a blah, blah, blah? Yeah. We haven't had an Indiana Jones anything, which I find yeah. Yeah. interesting. There were indeed comics in the 90s. I've read a couple. Mm. But, yeah. um one of them has the same name as our pit. Ooh. But that's the only similar thing because the comic was pretty bad. In Indiana Jones 2000? <laughs> oh, man. Indiana Jones Beyond. Yeah. Indian Space. Wait, if it was a 90s comic, it'd be, no, it'd be Indiana Jones Blood Strike. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just uh, extreme in Why is Jones got claws now? Well, his, his whip hurt him and claws grew. It doesn't matter. He's got a robot arm. He's got pouches. He's got pouches on oh, his hat. Pouches everywhere. And a laser Pouches eye. on his whip. Pouches on his hand. You never see below his ankles because the artist doesn't like drawing it. But yeah. <laughs> oh, life held. He's got whips for arms and whips for eyes. <laughs> whips for teeth. Whips for and whips for miles. Whips for tits. It's Indiana Jones. <laughs> oh, whips for tits. My old website. Uh, I do miss that. Wait, we haven't done a fucking synopsis. Well, <laughs> we've talked about it for nine hours. Well, this is the thing. It's such a, it's such one of those yeah. films that just you, once you start chiseling away at it. Oh yeah, yeah like yeah. an old. There's, tomb. there's plenty more to get into, but um, I we've had a couple of requests from from listeners. I used to my little synopsis were kind of like almost like the poster description where I'd be like, and this, what happens next? Who finds out? People moaned at me for like, oh, I've seen the original. Tell me what actually happens. So I actually have to write like a proper synopsis now. You, you could just tell them to watch the original. Then I, I did. I did. And they're like, well, I don't yeah, want to do that. The whole thing would be yeah. more fun. We don't want to punish people that way. Th- that is true. I could understand people not wanting to watch this. But they don't know to listen. You can't have an opinion on a until film until you've actually seen it. Yep. I feel that people should watch this film as like a rite of passage. This is a this is, this is is adulthood. Oh, you should watch it first if you haven't seen any. Because you're watching it and it's all right. And then you watch the others and go, oh. Like when my girlfriend hadn't seen Jurassic Park and watched Jurassic World. Then she watched Jurassic Park and she's like, that's like the same film, but a thousand times better. Yep. Yep. Correct. Yes. So, wish me luck, gentlemen, because this goes in places that dun. Da, da, dun, dun. don't go dun. anywhere. Da, da, dun. <laughs> in 1957... Dr. Irina Spalko, played by Kate Blanchett, <laughs> and a convoy of Soviet agents posing as US soldiers infiltrate a military base in the Nevada desert. Indiana Jones. <laughs> Feel free to harmonise on the rum tum tums. As Matt mentioned earlier, Indiana Jones is in the back of a car, dressed as Indiana Jones for some reason. Yeah. I'm ignoring the gopher. Fuck the gopher. And 
He pops out and he is led to a crate in Hangar 51. Ooh, I wonder what that could be. Which holds the remains of a, we call it an alien, interdimensional being. It, it's, it's the alien from Roswell's. Ah, how exciting. Indy uses gunpowder and... Treason and plot. <laughs> gunpowder, treason and plot to find a magnetic crate. He's grenade bits, doesn't he? And it, yeah, and a like, shot, basically, from a, from a shotgun shell pellet thing. So it's magnetic to some stuff, but not to other stuff. Like, people's belts and stuff would be going crazy. People's glasses, like, your blood. Weird, you know, it was basically Magneto in a box and it would fuck you up. He attempts to escape, but is foiled by his partner Mac, played by the aforementioned Ray Winstone, who reveals he's actually working for the Soviets. After a fight and a ridiculous vehicle chase through the warehouse, Indiana escapes on a rocket sled into the desert. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I forgot. Oh yeah, happened. there's oh. gonna be a lot of these moments of like, oh fuck yeah, that's the thing that happens. It should be pointed out, it is now nighttime. Yes, it just arbitrarily goes into nighttime for some reason, because that's how films work. Where he stumbles onto a nuclear test town and survives the nuclear blast by hiding in a supposedly lead-lined fridge. And at that point, it's daytime again. Yes, it is. Yeah, because <laughs> they and arrive that... in the day. The rocket thing happens at night, and, and then by it's the daytime. time he gets to the town, that it's sounds nighttime. like that was edited in from another part of the film or something, yep. doesn't it? Yeah. Sorry to go. Weird to have a nuclear explosion in the first like ten minutes of your film, but <laughs> fuck it, why yeah. not? He obviously survives somehow, which we need to discuss in a moment. And while being debriefed, he discovers. He is under FBI investigation because of Max's ties to the Soviets. Indy returns to Marshall College where he is offered an indefinite leave of absence to avoid being fired because of the ongoing investigation. At a train station, he is stopped by Mutt Williams, played by the aforementioned Shia LaBeouf, and told that his old colleague, Harold Oxley, played by John Hurt, disappeared after discovering a crystal skull near the Nazca lines in Peru. Jones and Mutt... <laughs> what? Greece is well known for stopping professors <laughs> in the street and telling them what happened to them. Professor, old. professor, you need to go and check out the Nazca he, lines. He does um, this while he's riding on a like, fucking uh, motorbike. He rides alongside the train on a motorbike and it's fucking Thankfully, stupid. Thankfully, the station doesn't come to an end. The platform, I should say. <laughs> it's yeah, it's infinite train platform. Oh, dear. Anyway, Jones and Mutt go to a diner. He passes India letter from the aforementioned Oxley. Soviet agents approach them and chase them. India realises that the Soviets were trailing Mutt to get him to decode Oxley's letter. In Peru, Indiana and Mutt discover that Oxley was locked in a church-operated psychiatric <laughs> they went to hospital. Peru, guys. It's just one of those things they do. I mean, it just goes, he's in Peru now. It's like, okay. When you meet a greaser in the street, you'll probably end up in Peru with him fairly shortly. Yeah. And then he references the uh, the young Indiana Jones stuff. He does, yeah. Somebody yeah. Who, yeah. Yeah, which is... Bullshit. Yeah, which is what Harrison Ford showed up in as Indiana Jones before this. Like, oh, yeah. is that the really old we've old he's a flute or yes. something? Yes. Some snow falls on the bad guy. God! <laughs> We're not making this up, guys. Seriously. <laughs> so they discover that Oxley has been locked up in a church-operated psychiatric hospital until the Soviets kidnapped him. In Oxley's former cell, Indiana discovers clues to the grave of Francisco de Orellana, a conquistador who went missing in the 1500s while seeking Akator. Indiana finds the crystal skull that Oxley hid in Orellana's grave, and the Soviets capture Indiana and Mutt and take them to the camp where they're holding Oxley, as well as Mutt's mother and Indiana's ex-lover, Marion Ravenwood, played by Karen Allen. And we need to talk about Marion Ravenwood in a minute, because fuck this movie. The Soviets believe the skull is from an extraterrestrial life form and holds great psychic power, which is Matt kind of touched on the Soviet psychic weird Rasputin stuff. 
Marion reveals that Mutt's real name is, in fact, dun dun dun, Henry Jones the third. And Why, if I know, Indiana Jones I know, I know. and her was split up, did she name him after Indiana Jones? I love that the fa- that the supposed father had no say in this, and he was like, "Okay, we're gonna have this kid. I'm gonna name you after your deadbeat prick of a dad." Oh, great to see you. This easy kid. Maybe after okay. your deadbeat prick of a dad and his deadbeat prick yeah. of a dad. <laughs> At this point, quickly sidetrack, very, very quickly. There are two old man jokes that I actually like in this film. And one of them happens at this time. One of them is him swinging and saying, oh, that was much nearer or whatever it was. And he punches the other guy because he's trying to whip across. And the old man not being as fast as he used to be. That's kind of funny. Old men appreciate that kind of joke. Like, oh, I relate to that. Uh, and the second one <laughs> said old man yeah, Matt Stockton when, he, when he's in the um, the Area 51 thing he's whipping across I like, I like that you approved of it you were like old men will relate to that I, I see I see Once it's written by two there. old men starring an old man <laughs> it's all about old man but the point is that the other old man joke is kid let me tell you some advice do what you want to do it's fine and then he finds out his son the hypocrisy comes in and says why didn't you make him stay in school <laughs> I rather enjoy that joke a little bit because Indiana Jones is a dick carry on <laughs> The four of them escape, leading to a lengthy vehicle chase involving a sword fight and a whole bunch of incredibly hungry giant killer oh. ants. That So you mentioned it earlier, Tim, that drag things underground. I had assumed they just consume them on the spot in, like, hyper-fast speeds. <laughs> like scarabs. It's really, yeah, I assumed it was kind of like scarabs and they're just, like, a skeleton left. It's not entirely clear. People just disappear into the ants for some reason. Yeah. So in fact, that's not how ants work. Yeah. Well, there's there's a point where you see them dragging one of them into like this abs- like a a sewer manhole sized yes. ant hole, and it's like, why would they build a nest that like are they What's regularly dragging like deer down? <laughs> I see, yeah, they're like mega killer ants that just eat. He gets deer stuck halfway as well. Does... I'm pretty sure his legs are just sticking out the whole time. <laughs> go in. But of course, we're forgetting the monkeys. That chase has some amazing monkeys. Does it, though? No, of course not. Shit. <laughs> Although a friend of mine... They're friends like, with Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> oh, at the, at the t- they taught him how to swing in the jungle like fucking Tarzan. But my friend at the time said, oh, what, what, what? Okay, well, so we're okay with the monkey and raiders, and we're not okay with this. I was like, yeah, completely. The monkey raiders, A, was real. B, was, I'm pretty sure, a Nazi. Or... <laughs> He gives us Nazi salute. In one he point, does, yeah. And yeah, then he yeah. dies from eating bad dudes. Yeah. Um, these monkeys... And they ate his brain in the second one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. These monkeys are horrific. And I don't know why they have an allegiance to, in inverted commas, the good guys. Yeah. It's just so that painful. nature is on our side. We're fighting for the planet or whatever. And also, like, Mutt swings faster on a vine... Than jeeps yeah. driving on a road. Yeah, jeeps jeeps swinging fuck? off vines tend to be very slow due to the weight. <laughs> I forget. Is it is it during this chase or or is it later where the giant like buzz saws that cut one. through the forest yeah. show up? Yeah. Oh god, yeah. that feels like some Michael Bay nonsense. That feels like when they're like in the the island where they just happen to be driving behind a truck that's like carrying giant wheels from trains. It's it, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I must admit, it's that middle 2000s, we think CGI is amazing and near misses all look really cool, uh, like the uh, stampede in King Kong. And it's like, this is not working. And kind of like in, take a very recent example, in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, in all the trailers, this won't spoil anything, uh, when Chris Pratt leaps through the waking Tyrannosaurus's mouth. And it's like, how? I'm sorry, he's not a fucking... 
you know, he's not slowing time to avoid the jaws of death. It's, it removes so much grounded realism to have, you know, these these so many near misses that just feel absurd. Realism is out the fucking window in this yeah. movie. So, yeah. They eventually arrive at the Temple of Akator, which is like a Mayan pyramid in the rainforest. And Mac is now claiming he's a CIA double agent working against the Russians. He goes in the temple with Indiana and the group, but he's actually leaving a trail of homing devices so that Kate Blanchett's Spalco can follow them in later. And they look ridiculous. They look like they're like fucking kinder egg. Yeah. They're fucking absurd. I mean, it makes sense for the period, but also how is he subtly dropping these red shining beeping things in the woods that are the size of chicken eggs? (laughs) Beep, beep. What's that? Nothing. Just going to lay another egg in deep. Just just leaving a bread chunk. (laughs) Fuck hell. The group enter the temple and Indy uses the skull to open the door to a chamber tomb where 13 crystal skeletons, one missing a skull, funnily enough, are seated on thrones. Again, the key is his face. Nobody opens a fucking door with their face. (laughs) He opens it with his skull. Yeah. So you can only open this if you have the skull of the aliens that are inside it already? Yeah, I mean, I know How that... How did it get out well, we if it's all sealed? Back, so we don't waste our time, anybody else coming in. John Hurt steal it or did the conquistador steal it? Wasn't there another crystal skull? Is the skull that John Hurt has the same as the one that they find in Area 51? Oh, no, that's that's a smaller magnetic dead alien. Uh, yes, yes, it's a little magnetic dead alien. Yes, yeah. Yeah. yes, of course. Fucking yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on, of, Tim. Of course. How did you not remember <laughs> that, Tim? Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Let's open things with skulls, shall we? Because that makes sense. Surprise, surprise, the Soviets catch up with them and again reveal that Mac is a bad guy for the second time in the film. Don't do the reveal at the beginning if you're going to do it at the end and make it seem like a big deal. Anyway, of course, the bad guy, Spalco, places the skull onto the skeleton. It begins communicating to the group through John Hurt's character, Oxley, using an ancient Mayan dialect. Indy translates this, because, you know, he's Indiana Jones. He knows he's, as Alec rightly said, he knows he's Indiana Jones, and he just knows every ancient language that's ever been written. Translates this to mean that the aliens want to give them a great gift. Spalco demands to know everything, and the skulls been, begin transferring knowledge into her mind. Which is really rude, considering that the great gift was a tray of Frere Rocher. <laughs> <laughs> Neatly stacked into a Mayan pyramid. Yeah. A ziggurat of Frere Rocher. Of delicious. As, as, as the aliens are known to do. Obviously. That's how we got Frere Rocher, isn't it? We didn't make it. Yeah. <laughs> we found it in the field. It was a gift from the ancient gods. <laughs> So you notice I've been saying alien this whole time. Turns out they're interdimensional beings. Oh, it opens wow. a portal into a different dimension. And what the fuck? Why? In a flying saucer, though. Yeah, why is there a flying saucer if they're interdimensional beings? Who knows? It doesn't make any sense. They can just open portals with their brains so they don't need flying saucers, I guess. Oxley regains his sanity for some reason after being brain mashed. And uh, explains the aliens are interdimensional beings who taught the ancient warriors their advanced technology. He taught them, like, irrigation and stuff like that. Not that advanced, the rest of us figured it out. Right, you think, like, oh, by the way, here's an interdimensional portal. That would be quite cool. No, 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 no. You get the irrigation right first, then we talk. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. 
this is, and I'm sure we'll get more SJW comments on uh, on YouTube Bring them on. for this. But this is the same as all the all the oh, it must have been aliens that built the pyramids and stuff like that racist horseshit. That's like, hmm, these uh, these civilizations couldn't possibly have figured out this stuff by <laughs> these themselves. Sa- these yeah. brown savages couldn't possibly come up with things. We're the pinnacle of civilization. Well, it's a sort of pseudo link to Jones, and not a. Gr- it's an okay film. Uh, the Lost City of Zed recently, which is a really proper sort of old Aguirre style adventuring kind of film. Charlie Hunnam doing an okay job, etc. The general crux of the film is old British white people saying, listen here, boy, there's no way in hell that these people, these savages, made pots. That'd be stupid. We did. We introduced them to them. Bloody aliens. Yeah. And the whole film is basically, I'll prove it to you. You're full of shit. They had their own cultures and they were advanced because they were like, no, it's not possible because, listen here, no. And that's the the, the quintessential we must crush. And you're right, it is going to be, we're going to get shredded on the internet for it, but fuck you, internet. Um, And you're right, it plays up to the myth of, white saviory you know it has to be some external force because uh, but yeah as you say a brown skinned man couldn't come up with this yeah or woman yeah so the good guys escape as this portal opens up but mac and the soldiers are sucked into the portal because you know bad guys get the consequences good guys don't the, get the doesn't mac have like a very near doesn't he, he vaguely redeem himself? he redeems something that yeah. goes sorry yeah and he gets and it's incredibly similar to the same bit in the Mummy films, which, of course, had come along between yeah. original oh, indie trilogy Arnold and the bit with Benny in the pyramid where he's gathering up all the treasure and so doesn't escape. And and Ray Winston's character does almost exactly the same thing. He's yeah. trying to grab the gold and they're like, we've got to get out of here. And he's like, oh, and Indy is like, I'll still try and save you because it's the right thing to do. And he's like, don't worry about it, Josie, because I'm already Ray Winston. <laughs> Wherever I'm going, I'll be rich. Yeah. <laughs> Straight to Beowulf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By Robert Zemeckis. So the skeletons then form into a single giant being. Oh, it's, not, it's not over yet. <laughs> some reason. So they're into ah, so yeah, because they're interdimensional. All thirteen of them was actually the same thing. It's like they yeah. slot together, isn't it? Like yeah. they layer over like each. a transform there's a, there's fucking amazing, Voltron bullshit. There's an amazing bit of uh, CGI where there's just a, a tiny bit of an impact shudder, bit of bit of recoil there as the other skeletons hit himself. And I'm like, why? Yeah. That just looks stupid. It looks stupid. Falls up and like. Mm, mm. It's like, that's how I wake up in the morning. I reform myself from my 13 other bits of body and then I glare menacingly at Kate Blanchett as her eyes explode every morning. Well, we've all had hangovers. (laughs) So yeah, Sparko's eyes explode. (laughs) Kate Blanchett's brain melts and her eyes explode out of her face from all the knowledge. And uh, yeah, she just like melts and goes into the portal, basically. The temple crumbles... And a flying saucer appears and flies away and lets the so, Amazon yeah, River so the just flood into the valley. Dead, even though he's just skeleton. I think he's just having a bit of a nap. Someone messed with this that's stuff. How you do, that's how you do it. Just split into 13 things. But I suppose somebody stole the skull off one could wake can, up can again. Reform again yeah. So yeah. he like horcruxed himself into 13 identical crystal and mini copies of room. himself who kept I yeah. think it's like going streaking and someone steals your pants, you can't get out of the water, but when the pants are returned, you can then get out of the water. Finally, a metaphor You're I understand. welcome. <laughs> Thank God for you and your relatable metaphors, Matthew. So that ends all the crazy adventures, and we head home. Indy is reinstated uh... and made an associate dean at the college. And then he... Because the FBI dropped it. Because, because reasons. Because reasons. You get a promotion for not being a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> and then... 
that's another one of those like horse shit. Oh, that's a thing I remember from the fifties. So we'll put it. Here. It's it's like tying into the House Un-American Committee and stuff, yes. and all the Soviet witch hunts and and like oh like yeah because in Indy was cool, so he'd be under suspicion by the FBI. It's like and have oh. saved the, the entire war effort. Yeah, being a war hero. I mean, I don't have a problem with him fighting well in the war. That's great. There's no problem with that. But then at the start, I was like, he probably works for the commies. But my God, he's got five purple hearts. Is that possible? Sure. <laughs> I wish I wish we'd seen that movie. That sounds like... It's one of those things where it's like you briefly said a thing that sounds much better than Which the thing. Which is classic can we Lucas. Watch. Yeah. Mm. Classic Lucas. Also, him and Marion get married for some reason. Yep. That's the end of the film. Yep, ends what on the, that. What the fuck? Dun, 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 dun. Walking down the aisle. <laughs> Walking down the aisle. <laughs> are, you, are you married now, Indy? Part time. <laughs> <laughs> the title to that movie could be Indiana Jones and the Shia LaBeouf. And it still, that sounds like a sex sounds thing. Sounds like a thing, yeah. yeah. Indiana Jones and the actual cannibal. <laughs> <laughs> Running from your life from Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Chamber of Secrets. My God, they work. They work. <laughs> Harry Potter yeah. runs on. Indiana Jones and the Philosopher's Stone. Indiana Jones and the Goblet of Fire. Yeah. That's yeah, totally yeah. a thing, yeah. And yeah. the Order of the Phoenix. Good. Yeah. 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 Indiana Jones and where to find them. <laughs> <laughs> Literally X marks the spot. <laughs> oh. Stop the episode. Jones, Tim's won it. Jones plural. Yeah. <laughs> we have a good time on the show. So I want to come back and talk about Marion because this film ruins that character. Um, um, okay. Oh, I don't like you enjoying this movie <laughs> at no, 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 all. No, no, no. Karen Allen, I think, did okay. But she leans into the I'm a mom now role a little too much from the feisty I'm going to beat the crap out of everybody. Right, but you were justifying Shia LaBeouf earlier saying oh, it's a script, bad script he's working with and he's, his performance is fine but you've got the same thing with Karen that, Allen. That's what I'm saying. She it's a terrible she, script. Yeah, she doesn't okay. Well, this is the interesting thing. Karen Allen, I think, does a fine job as acting in it, but the character isn't Marion Ravenwood, in my opinion. Correct. Um, I agree. But then there's the things like, for example okay, I wrote my review for Ocean's 8 recently and said Kate Blanchett was one of the best things of this film because, of course, she is Kate Blanchett. She's been doing amazingly. Most, almost everything she's in, she's great in. Except this film. Yeah. Because what she's given is ridiculous. And again, what's been given to Marion is, I, I guess, the misremembered um, memory of George. Again, George Lucas writes a young Darth Vader. It's like, you wrote Darth Vader. How can you be fucking this up so much? How do you not know what the character was to people? This is where we get to the dangerous territory of um, the unevolving character. Indiana Jones falls out the back of a car wearing the same clothes he did 20 years ago. Hello, I'm still an old grumpy man. <sighs> um, and Not a bad Harrison Ford, by the way. Yeah, it's all right. When do you hear my Marion Ravenwood? Oh. Ooh. I'm Marion Ravenwood. <laughs> I love I'm... me. <laughs> oh, Ray Winston. It's the love of your life. Marion Ravenwood. I've got a son now, Indy. Look at him, he's a dog or something. His name is Henry. After his father. It's a good name. Bit like your name, isn't it, Joe? I'm not getting it, I'm very old. (laughs) Oh my God, it is your name. Oh, if only there was some sort of reason. Did you just do a Forrest Gump moment of his name's like my name? (laughs) (laughs) Jesus, that's exactly what that is. (laughs) Fucking hell. Forrest Gump and Indiana Jones. So Marion Ravenwood... 
not a great character, but I think Karen Allen did fine with what she had. But she was a good character. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yes, you're right. Though. That's, that's this correct. film fucked the. Ca- I'm not saying this not film Williams fucked the character. Never a good character. Ravenwood. Oh. Ravenwood used to be cool and dynamic and interesting and had her own motivations and stuff. Now she's two dimensional, and I'm a mum. That's well, it. Also, like, she's like one of the only characters to come back from the original trilogy. Yeah, there's yeah. no Salah. They they argue. Oh well, I mean, and, and obviously with certain characters, di- uh, actors die off and make some sense. But then I remember that bullshit line that um, Harrison Ford gave around the time. Like, well, uh, Sean Connery's too old to play my dad. And it's like, well, time hasn't moved. You're still the same fucking age yeah. distance. You Burke. And you're both old men. They're surprisingly close in age as yeah. well. There's like a 12-year age gap. Exactly. And it's fine. And the thing is, him not being there also kind of works. Not bringing like short round back. Yeah. I Any, wanted anybody. Kick-ass short round. Yeah. yeah. That, that's who should have been in. Because he, he didn't... If the he short round was Williams. the bad guy, I'd be like... There's the guy guy who played short rounds like become like an action choreographer in Hollywood. Like that's what he went on to do. So like... He was still acting in the sort of 90s, I think. Mm. But um, yeah, he'd kind of given up on acting by... Mm. Sort of 2000, you, didn't you could write a movie where Indiana Jones's real son comes into conflict with Short Round because he's abandoned oh, Short Round yeah. to spend time with his like his adopted son. Or has been he's abandoned. spending all the time with Short Round and ignoring and the his real, real son's, son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's that's yeah, who's Kylo Ren. Yeah. Um, <laughs> actually, yeah, Adam Driver having a fight with Sean Round. Mutt! Or how short about been a, yeah. Short Round goes back to the Goonies and then they help Indiana Jones out like Oh, this is all infinitely better than fucking Great Crystal Skulls. Stuff. Right. Why is Mutt Williams' surname Williams? Because the... John Williams, that's why. Oh. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Literally, no. literally, that's uh, why. I believe it's because of the British... Airman that Marion ended up marrying, or yes, might be that with Captain is, America. Yeah. The actual reason the character is called Williams is John Williams, but the the in canon thing is that she married a bloke called Williams, and he and was, said he was per yeah, yeah. And because it was the if 50s, he was called, 40s. I was going to say if his child was called Jones, that would be a giveaway. Of Mutt Jones, yeah, yeah they yeah. could have called him Ravenwood, I suppose. Yeah, because his mum's name would have yeah. been fine. Yeah, that's a much cooler name than really far out of it by that stage. Yeah, yeah. Dead, I want to say. Yes, I think the so. Yeah, adoptive father, the stepfather. I want to Killed say. by magnetic aliens. <laughs> of course he was. They landed on him. He put one on one side of his neck, one on the other side. Oh no! <laughs> the one thing the instructions told me not don't, to do. Don't swallow two magnets at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> he was trying to stick something to the fridge, and yeah. just terrible accident. Here's a question for people: Does anyone in this film have an arc? Ooh, of the covenant. <laughs> <laughs> We see it. Um, no. Uh, technically, as much as I hate to say this, Ray Winston's character kind of doesn't work. <laughs> Does he, though? Because yeah, he's always something. a bad guy. He starts off in end. a boot and he ends yeah. up in the sky. That's travelling. That's not a character. There's a difference <laughs> no, no, between going somewhere. Said, we are all in the boot. That's not an arc. That's a trajectory. <laughs> <laughs> he starts off as a traitor, I guess, and, and he goes back and forth a bit. But then he sacrificed himself for the greater good. Not really. Nope. He dies stealing gold as a bad guy. Yeah, but then Essentially. he says, if he, I think because he, he knows if he holds onto that rope, I think it's a rope, that um, or whip maybe, that he will kill them all. So he sacrifices himself because it will save Indiana Jones's life. Did he say something like, I'll be all right? Or something like I'll that. I'll be fine because 
I don't care anymore. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, I'll bloody hit him, Indy. When I get over there, he went from oh, being pump. selfish as anything to the, that degree that he would uh, steal gold for, for literally from everything, grave robbing and stuff, to selfless enough to let himself die. The big issue there, of course, is that he goes through that arc in the blink of an eye. It's because yes. there's no Still setup for it an at arc. all. <laughs> and I would say the monkeys, maybe. <laughs> They started off neutral, and then they liked the good guys. The fridge has an arc. The fridge has an arc? Yeah. yeah. That has a trajectory. trajectory. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shit, no, that's a good point. I genuinely... That's a really solid statement, because I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with my fucking very wasted answer. But Ox is... They all kind of end up back where they were... Like, Marion, sort of? But she's not much of a character anyway. No. Did Oxley oh, gets his sanity back? Yeah, it's not oh, really no, arc, is no. it? Indies, it's just isn't Everybody it's goes back fault. to square one, basically. Indy's meant to have an arc, which is that he's meant to learn to be a dad. That's which the he point, does not. Is, which he just, yeah, doesn't. But He gets married, but that's... Yeah. Shia LaBeouf have an arc? Indiana Jones needs to be seen to be like selfish and shitty to his pseudo-son at the beginning. But he's just basically instantly welcoming of this role as a father and then finds out that he is a father and is like, fair enough. That makes sense. Yeah. Fucked, that. fucked a lot of women over we the years, should, you we, know. We should probably get married. Found to happen we? eventually. It's the right thing to do. It's the 50s. People will frown. No, I, I genuinely think that controversial about the Star Wars and the Han Solo mindset that, every, well, the most iconic Harrison Ford characters that we all sort of know and love uh, in uh, Blade Runner and in Star Wars and in Indiana Jones and fuck it in the fugitive <laughs> are going to be terrible fucking dads. Oh, absolutely. Because it's such like, I'm the center of our attention and I want to protect. Even fucking Air fucking Force One, my family. And he's like always banging on about his family, but fucking terrible at anything with them. And the second they actually need something as a father role, he's always like, I'm so busy. Is that Harrison kind of... Ford a bad dad in real life? Is that what we're I... learning? No, because his son's a chef. <laughs> oh. Well, that, 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 that's that all the problems. <laughs> I'm going to stand by that. <laughs> I, be- I believe Harrison Ford's son also auditioned for the role of Mark Williams and didn't get Ooh. it. I think he's got a few sons. One of them did. One of them did. Yeah. One of them's a chef. One, one a of chef. them's not Mark Williams. No, <laughs> That's something to be proud of, though. Yeah, to be None fair. of my children are actually. You're yeah, right. He is a good parent. Yeah. How, actually, now having said that, I was going to say. You don't want to be in this to, like, movie franchise, kid. He's in the films and stuff, but then Ice Cube's son was amazing in Straight Outta Compton, so that means. Yeah. That sounded almost like a like a logic puzzle. It's like one of Harrison's Ford's sons is a chef. One of them is not Mutt Williams. Which one? one of them is Shia LaBeouf. One of them lives in a house with a green door. Yeah. <laughs> Both are on a train travelling at 30 miles an hour. Which, Which one, one does Harrison... First? <laughs> Which one does Harrison's love? <laughs> Harrison of... Ford loves Harrison. None of them. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And hates all his characters. Pretty much. I wonder if he'll kill off Indy. Yes. Of course Absolutely. he will. He tried Without to. A doubt. Yeah, that was his plan for the Everything. fourth one. Yeah, he tried to kill him off, and then they wouldn't let him, like he did in Return of the Jedi. But now he's really, really far too old. They might yeah. as well give me the excuse. He wants to go back to like six days and seven nights and uh, wherever that was, and with Anne Hesh, and he wants to kill that character off as well. Yeah, go back through all his old. Regarding Henry, Uber. he's dead. Yep, yeah, gone. He's just quantum Sabrina, leaping back into his own timeline and killing all of his own. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's, loop, he's loopering he's himself. himself. Yeah. Harrison Ford kills the Harrison Ford universe. <laughs> oh, he, God, he, is, he is going to be in the remake of Jet Li's The One. <laughs> and he's going to be going for different universes and finding the Harrison Ford and killing him. Hello. At one point, <laughs> at one point he's going to bump into Sean Bean, who's going back through his films trying to save himself. <laughs> oh, my God. That and is they cross paths and just nod. I don't want to die. Not again. So should we get on to... 
some Rotten Tomato scores, gentlemen. Ooh, dun. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. And dun. I'll let you know now I have all four Indiana Jones movies oh, available God. for guesses. Oh, man, I should have looked this up and cheated. <laughs> That's not like you, Stuart. So let, let's stick with just Kingdom of the Crystal Skull for now. Percentage guesses. Who wants to go first? Any any guesses? Alec, you look ready. I will guess, and I'm going to guess at like 70%. Okay. Oh, fuck, I was going to say. Um, <laughs> That's also so what I was going to say. Yeah. Do we... <laughs> You're all wrong or right. No, Alec, there's going to be some competition in this. Do you want to go higher? I think maybe a bit lower, actually. I'm going to go for 68 of your Uh, human percents. I'm going to go higher and say 76. Fuck it, 81. 81. (laughs) It's not 81, but Tim's bloody close. It's 77%, which is like 30% too high, 40% too high. What's Good the Lord. user score like? It is 6.9, which I think is also That's too high. weirdly high, yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah it's weird. Don't I, tell me it got higher than one of the other films. No, 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 no. They were, no, they were it, all it is the lowest, don't worry. Um, and I'll give you a clue. The rest of them kind of make sense. Like, the the ratings are in order. None of them are lower than 77. This is what still I'm the worst. What expecting is Raiders high, highest... Temple less high. Rather than guessing actual percentages, you want to just do that yeah. kind of thing. Crus- like, yeah. yeah, order of yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Raiders being the highest, Temple being the lowest of the three, and uh, Last Crusade being in the middle of them is my I guess. Disagree. Oh no, I disagree, but I think that's what it will be. Yeah, I, w- I would say this. I would say Raiders is probably like a ninety-eight percent or something, and I reckon Temple somewhere about like eighty-three, and Last Crusade at like ninety-three or something. I think that uh, Crusade is going to be slightly higher than Raiders. Because the whole longevity sort of... Um, mm, that might be true, actually. Temple of Doom will be bottom. Yeah, I think Temple of Doom will be bottom. I think that both Raiders and Last Crusade will hit into the 90s, possibly high 90s, and I think Temple will be in the high 80s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Temple's the highest, then? Ah! Ah! Temple, of course, in the lowest, 85. Yeah. Then Crusade yeah. is 88. And Raiders is 95. Really? So, so Raiders is definitively Whoa. the most popular, critically acclaimed. Crusade would have been the, the high 90s, yeah. but interesting. Yeah, I, I thought Crusade would be pretty close second there, but it is, yeah, not that far above Temple of Doom. And considering, like I said, we've had tweets and messages from people saying, like, fix Temple of Doom, ignoring the fact that it's a prequel because they're idiots. Yeah. But, like, that's the one that people say, oh, that's the first bad one in the franchise and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Whereas, like, well, is it eighty-five percent? I know we talked about Shrek two, and it's a fucking fuck you, Shrek fans. Cr- critically acclaimed. <laughs> Seriously, we we thought Ghostbusters two was going to cause no, the most no, trouble. No, it was Shrek. Shrek was, it was the one. The Shrek fans. Dare we go to Shrek fest? And... Yeah, a beautiful <laughs> moment in that and one of the episodes where we end up saying, "I don't think there's any like Shrek fans at all." Turns out, all uh, of them. Yeah, there's loads of they're them. everywhere. Yeah, and they're vengeful. Both Shrek films rated higher than two. Two out of no, that's, three out of the four Indiana Jones see, movies, and that's why it's bullshit. That's why yeah. we were right. I'll see you in hell. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So yeah, we've got seventy in chronological order. We'll go ninety-five, eighty-five, eighty-eight, and seventy-seven. And I think there should be a lot, much larger gap. That needs there. to be Crystal Skull is noticeably worse than the other three, 66. and it's only like what is that? Eight points lower than Temple of Doom. And granted, it's not a score out of a hundred; it's percentage of positive. I'm assuming that this has some similarities to the Star Wars prequels, though, where it was the Star Wars prequels, when they came out, were initially reasonably well-reviewed. It was only after 
it had sunk in and there was this backlash against them that people started to think of them more negatively. But A like, lot of people have had the same thing with Crystal Skull. Yeah. Saying like, oh yeah, Indiana Jones, love Indiana Jones. Wait a minute, that was shite. And I wonder if the difference here is that because Indy came out later, it is still the contemporary to the time reviews that inform the Rotten Tomatoes score Very much rather so. than yes, the retrospectives right. that you get for the prequels i think it's also it came out at a very specific period i'm re-watching all the marvel films at the moment and i can remember watching iron man and it had indiana it had uh yeah it had uh the trailer for crystal skull on the dvd and i was like oh yeah that and like remembering the hype that there was around this film and the fact that iron man as much you know i was you know, big Marvel fan, so I was obviously excited for it, but there wasn't nearly as much hype for Iron Man no, as there was no. for this. And I think if it, if Crystal Skull had come out one or two years later, yeah. it would have got had a very different reception well, because you yeah, have Dark Knight as well. Yeah, you have yeah. Dark Knight, you of have course, Iron Man, yeah, yeah. and I think there was, I think this period, the, the very mid two thousands, there was a little bit of a fallow period for blockbusters, and that we went through some real dodgy territory and then it we got that kind of kick up the arse towards the end of that period Absolutely. i'm sure people will come up with examples to well, prove me wrong that. but you know that just that is my gut feeling i think if this if this had come out like i say even one or you know even 18 months later it would yeah. have had a very a, a different reception i wonder how it would have gone down if it came out like alex said in the 90s or something like that and, what if it came out ten well, it, years it, earlier it, it or five years earlier? It would just be such earlier. a radically different film because it wouldn't have any CGI in it, or not, not nearly half as much. I also wonder if there's something to do with the age of the critics who are reviewing the film at the yeah. time, because you're in a weird window there as far the, as the handover between certain generational else. things. Yeah. yeah, because again, I think that in the in the world we're in now, I think people would have jumped on that movie a lot more than they did at the time. Absolutely. Christ, yeah, yeah you might, I mean, again, India, Indiana Jones 5 is yet to come out, but if it had the, the Last Jedi sort of style, you know, that, that I mean, yes, we still have forums, still have the internet, still have bloggers and all that sort of stuff, but not to the venomous degree, I would say, that we have now. I mean, because again, uh, the year before, I think Mission was on a previous episode of the podcast, the the infamously, well, I say infamous, no one gives a shit now, but it was the year of the threequel at the time where you had Shrek 3, uh, Transformers 3, and Pirates of the Caribbean 3, and I was like, oh my god, it's like a, it's gonna be the- Spider-Man 3. Oh! You said Transformers 3. It did, and I meant to say Spider-Man 3, I apologise, thank you, yes. So the idea of these huge major releases and such, so I think, again, the idea of going back to something might have been like, oh, well, brilliant, this is another prequel, uh, sorry, another uh, sequel coming out, but it's, it's back to something we all know and love, because, uh, again, I think at that point, there weren't any... Hang on, let me just do a bit of thinking. Other than the Star Wars prequel element, which at that point had finished and had been like... It made a fuck ton of money, so it, it did what it needed to do in certain people's eyes. There hadn't been the sort of thing we have so much recently, which is revisiting old franchises and saying, we need to go back and do a sequel. And not just a reboot, but a sequel to it with the, some of the returning cast. 19 years in the making, like exactly. Crystal Skull was, yeah. yeah. Or Blues Brothers 2000 that we've also talked about. Mm-hmm. And exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There are very few of those ones. that they Now they're 10 and piece. We get them all the time. So, oh, what's going on for a while? Oh, that's that's been around for a while. We'll bring it back with some one person from the cast and we'll make it work, whatever. Or we'll just reboot it fresh out of the box. Because they're trying to get the... Bu- now we understand the Indiana Jones mindset of like, we're trying to get both markets, the new people on board for the idea of what this could be and the old market of get that audience in at the same time. 
Jurassic World kind of did it a little bit by bringing in Henry, Henry Wu being the only element. I remember the advertising for Fallen Kingdom made a big fuss about Jeff Goldblum's back. And to the degree that in the trailer in uh, Odeon Cinemas in Britain, I'm sure they had similar ones abroad. I got an interview with um, Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt doing the a fucking awful T-Rex fucking raw impression it was so painful best thing about fallen kingdom coming out is that advert not being on anymore and they said and jeff goldblum's back and it's like no i know for a fact as a film person that one scene is all he's in that's mm. it that's the whole fucking thing and it was spoilers i guess um but that's the whole point it's, it's the whole come back for this guys we know you want to see this but also kids who've grown up with just jurassic world that's what was you know huge success goldblum also did that in independence day as well exactly perfect example yeah I think that, that, that if there is something positive to be said to Crystal Skull is that it doesn't feel s- like a cynical attempt to just get more money. Yeah, like, uh, it feels weirdly earnest. It's just earnest from George Lucas being weird and demanding that there's crystal aliens. And So, that's why Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is crap. So, should we tease some pitches, gentlemen? I'll come to Matt and Tim first for a team name. Please, okay, okay. Gentlemen. Let's do a little bit of an explanation first. Uh, oh, oh, at first, okay. I always like you have a build-up of like, wait until after the pitch, and then we'll tell you our team name and shit like that. Oh no, we're going to tell you team name, but there are rules. <laughs> Whenever anyone wants to address us as a team name, you have to address our team name in the way that we tell you to do. Okay. It. If anyone doesn't, we're going to ignore you. Okay. You've done this before. Tim and I this week are Jonesy. <laughs> and if you would like to address us, you must say in a Ray Winston voice, Jonesy. Uh, 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 no, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Yeah. Who are you asking for? Yeah, there's no one here by that name. Yeah. Our team is just called Jonesy, said normally. So yeah, like... we do. We will accept a Jonesy. Yeah. <laughs> this week we have Jonesy versus Jonesy. Yeah. <laughs> Jonesy whales and the pussycats. <laughs> so that's our team name. See you next week. <laughs> and. Uh... Cast, crew, director, yep, I will mm-hmm. elevator pitch, all the little teasers and good stuff, please, sir. So our title is Indiana Jones and the Hunt for El Dorado. <gasps> uh, our release year is 1995, and our director is Mr. Steven Spielberg, who at that point would be between the one-two punch of Jurassic Park and Schindler's List and uh, The Lost World Jurassic Park. He's kind of in a, a weird period where he's mostly just producing TV stuff. He's got it's a, he's peaked. He's got a hole in the schedule. Uh, so our returning cast is Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones, Jonathan Rhys-Davies as Salah, and Sean Connery as Henry Jones Sr. Our new cast in the role of Lieutenant Thibaut Mercier is Jean Renault, who's fresh off Leon at this point, hasn't gone and done Mission Impossible yet, so he's sort of relatively unknown. Hasn't done on Emusha 3 yet, but that's his <laughs> starring role. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Uh, Jürgen Prochnow as Sturmbahnführer Kuhn, uh, who's been in the Math of Madness and Judge Dredd. He goes off to the English patient. He's a guy you look at him and go, much like Aaron Gavar, is like, oh, that guy! Yeah. Him! In the role of Untersturmführer Ilya Keller, Casper Van Dien, who hasn't done Starship Troopers yet and uh, oh, doesn't yes. realise he's doing big old Nazis, but he's doing a big old Nazi now. <laughs> He doesn't know he's a Nazi, but we do. We know he's a Nazi, yeah. In the role of Renata Ziegler, another good old Nazi, Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> <laughs> She's been in Hook and Seven, about to do Emma and Sliding Doors. And Peter King, the non-Nazi. No, that should be Peter King. Peter King. Because he's Australian. Australian. 
Ben Mendelsohn. Oh, I love a bit of Mendo. Yeah, bit of metal skin goes on to be vertical limit and mullet and other things, but becomes Ben Mendelsohn later. But our composer is John Williams, who has done films like Schindler's List and Nixon and Everything Under the Fucking Sun. <laughs> he went for Nixon and not like Star Wars well, and Jurassic Park. He did that around and that Indiana time. Jones. Yeah. Yes. He did that at the time. He is, of course, refer- returning from other Indiana Jones films with his iconic theme. <laughs> Oh man, I still get so excited just hearing that. It's like I'm back in the cinema. (laughs) (laughs) And our elevator pitch. At the close of the Second World War, Indiana Jones uncovers a Nazi plot to unearth as many occult items as possible to potentially resurrect their fallen leader and restore their forces to power and glory. Taking Indy from Turkey and Germany to the US and Mexico. You know that... Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is the only indie movie that occurs entirely in the Western Hemisphere as well. Ooh. There you go. Fun little trivia that I didn't really get a chance to drop in earlier. And you mentioned all these various yeah, traveling yeah. places. There you go. How exciting. Speaking of exciting, I was going to find out what they're going up against. Here we go. Alec and Stuart. Right. Team name, please, sirs. So our team name, you also need to pronounce. Yay! Yay! Fuck you, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> And our team name is Part Time. Yes. <laughs> right. Well, give me some more information. Well, no. Fuck no. off. Is um, there a Welshman in this? Uh, there is. I do not believe there is a Welshman. I'm a little disappointed. In I our Indiana push. Jones, Indiana Jones and the Carmarthen Conundrum. <laughs> <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Mine. What Solomon's Mine? Nope. Just the mines. <laughs> Indiana Jones and the quest for coal. Lot, lots of CGI sheep in that one. Indiana Jones and the rabbit rampage. No, none of these are films, unfortunately. That's a, that's a Wallace and Gromit one. <laughs> yeah, it, it certainly does sound like that. That's a, we want a Harry Potter, Indiana Jones and Wallace and Gromit crossover. More nice. cheese, Indy. <laughs> More cheese, Jonesy. Oh, well done, sir. Indiana Jones and the wrong trousers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so our film is released in the Earth year. Not Ninth... a space year this time. You usually go space for space year. years. In the Earth year, 1998. And the title of our film is Indiana Jones and the Spear of Destiny. Oh, okay, some Long Jonas stuff going on. Our director is Steven Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> I can confirm this. So this is sort of around the uh, Saving Private Ryan sort of era. Because fuck that movie. Take so, that, Matt Damon. So um, instead of making that film, he's going to make this and The Lost World twice. <laughs> <laughs> Lost World 2, Lost Again. <laughs> 1941 to 1942. <laughs> 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 but that is the title. That's the full title. That's amazing. Right, for a turning cast... We have Indiana Jones, played by Harrison Ford. I would have substituted in the solo actor's name, but I can never remember it. What is it? Oh, uh, Alden Ehrenreich. I can never remember his name. I always think of You've cast him as a Nazi because that's the most German name in the history of the world. Alden Ehrenreich. He literally has Reich in his fucking name. In 1998, he's probably like a fetus or something, so it probably wouldn't Uh, work. Depressingly, yeah, (gasps) probably was. Hitler clone. No. And also returning, Wan Lee, also known as Shorty or Short Round. Yeah. Jonathan Kikwan. Albina Zolojnik. She's a new character, played by Mia Jovovich. 
The character of General Drugov will be played by Andrew Devoff. Professor Anna Robinson will be played by Jane Seymour. The character of Marta Krupin will be played by Mila Kunis. Oh, how old is she at this point? She's about 16. Yeah. Done a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Chasavoy will be played by Igor... Here we go. Zizinkna. Zizinkin? Zizikin? Zizikin? I don't know how you pronounce it. Who, who's that guy? He is the only guy I liked in... Um, Indiana Jones and the uh, Temple, of the- Temple of the Crystal Skulls. My oh, God, is he the running. guy who gets eaten by the ants? Yes. Yes. He he's is. quite an iconically interesting face and things like that. Exactly. Iconically yeah. interesting face. You'd be surprised how like, good things put on your CV. Yeah. And Agent Culling is played by John C. McGinley. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Nice choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good old uh, Dr. Cox. And the score, of course, by... Jimmy from the chip shop. Oh, wait, he was ill. John Williams had to do it. One day you're going to use Dan Williams, our very own yes. <laughs> soundtrack writer. He could actually do it as well and have it playing in the background while we spoke. Imagine that. Would you like an elevator pitch? That would, that would be lovely. Thank you, okay. Alex. In 1952, archaeology professor Dr. Henry Jones Jr. teams up with an old friend to investigate the supernatural legacy of the Nazis now being utilised by the USSR. Ellipsis. Mm. Mm. To give them their full title. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Both stick up with Nazis. Well, yeah. And Fuck Nazis. <laughs> oh, dear. Mm. So we've got Nazis and Soviets and no fucking interdimensional beings, which is a good, good start, you gentlemen. Know Yes. Oh, oh the last ten seconds. Turns a spaceship flying yeah. up in the distance. Turns out and Jesus was an alien. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is the thing, isn't it? It's it's tapping into stuff from older civilizations, older cultures that we may not know about, and it's like, oh, maybe there's a bit of mystery to things. I mean, because that's the classic explorer mindset, isn't it? That's what Indiana Jones kind of taps into ultimately is the thing of even though we've explored the world, there might be some dark recess we're not so sure about, and it's in our past. Or maybe we've just gone really crazy. If, if you've got fucking Doc Brown in there because it's the 50s. <laughs> it does take place in Hill Valley, but that's Indy. coincidental. So it's going to be done about your kids. Mutt Williams. It's got Shrek in it because it's set in the 1950s. And Nicole Kidman as an investigative journalist <laughs> with no surname. Yeah. Oh, my God. So for next week, we will delve into both pitches. But until then, you can tweet at us at Sequelizers. You can listen to our Spotify soundtracks by the link in the description, or searching for Sequelizers on Spotify, that also works. And you can email us sequelizers at gmail.com if you dare. And if you don't recognise any cast members or anything like that, Matthew makes lovely little collages of, I think it's period accurate yeah, headshots and things of headshots yeah. of, yeah. yeah. So, so you can get an idea of what you'd be looking at. Because uh, the amount of times you say a name, and you say, if you look him up, you'll know what you mean. Look on our Instagram and you'll be like, oh yeah, it's the guy. Yeah, it's this, this the German guy from the thing or whatever. We post them to Twitter too, I believe. We do. We, we try do to get them around as much yeah. as possible. Yeah. And we use them on the uh, YouTube uploads on the Extra Ashens. We'll post them through your door if you want. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you say sequelizers into a mirror three times at midnight, then... Uh... I'll fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> then Shrek 2 We're starts playing candy. a mirror. <laughs> Bill Candy arrives. <laughs> the Candy Man! <laughs> See you next week. 
Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.